This week on the Pro Wrestling Podcast, Podcast. CM Punk's AEW Collision Return is back on, for now. Eric Bischoff bets his hair that CM Punk won't return at Collision. Tony Khan gives us a little more insight into whether or not there will be a brand split. And finally, the Fight Forever video game gets a release date. I'm your host, Seth Grimes, and this is the Pro Wrestling Podcast Podcast. up everybody welcome to another episode of the pro wrestling podcast podcast i am your boy seth grimes here with a jam-packed episode on a jam-packed weekend in the world of professional wrestling memorial day weekend here in the united states just another random ass weekend for you folks overseas We have a three-day weekend, and in our three-day weekend, we have lots of wrestling going on. Impact Wrestling just had an event that I think was pretty crazy. I haven't had a chance to see it, uh, but I'm seeing all the results, and it looked like a banger. We got Night of Champions coming up today as I record this, I think this afternoon sometime, over in Saudi Arabia. And then there's, of course, Double or Nothing tomorrow night for AEW. Just fucking packed with wrestling action. So let's go ahead and jump right into our first topic. Let's not even waste any more time. But before I do, we'll waste a little time because I got to get my plugs in, right? Got to plug my shit. If you could follow at Seth Grimes Media, Facebook, TikTok, or Twitter, on any of those three platforms give your boy a holla and if you're watching on youtube hit that subscribe button down below what the fuck are you waiting for do it fucker trying to get to a thousand subscriptions i'm at like 825 as i record this so only 175 of you fuckers just need to subscribe and we'll be good to go that's all i need And, of course, if you're listening on the podcast apps, hit the follow or subscribe there, too, whatever it asks you to do. And let's go ahead and jump on into our first topic this week. It appears all systems are a go for CM Punk to make his grand return at AEW Collision. As Tony Khan came out and awkwardly announced that AEW Collision's debut episode will indeed take place at the United Center in Chicago, Illinois. This was, of course, up in the air as we didn't know if CM Punk was going to return. Will he? Won't he? CM Punk seemingly keeping his name in the news every single week in this big, long, drawn-out drama. It's been a big fucking headache for AEW, I'm sure, and all of us news pundits and... Uh, YouTubers alike have been just discussing this topic at nauseum. It's all we've been talking about. Will CM Punk be at the debut episode for Collision? Now, he has not been announced 
And uh, everybody's saying, you know, he was pulled from the uh, media marketing and advertising that Warner Brothers Discovery was going to put out. Someone even went as far as to report that Warner Brothers Discovery had said that there would be no CM Punk involved with the show. But yet they're going to be at the United Center. And I still see people speculating. Will Punk actually be there? Oh, the fans will riot if Punk isn't in Chicago. They're not going to play the United Center if Punk's not going to be there. Punk will be there. It will be similar to the first dance where it's a surprise. You just know he's going to be there. You just put your faith in it, and the man will show up. But if don't take my word for it. Take the most credible source on the Internet for professional wrestling. <laughs> I, I almost said that with a straight face. Dave Meltzer in this clip right here from Wrestling Observer Radio talking about the latest on CM Punk and the deal that was made with Tony Khan. Well, they, uh, you know, the, they've got a deal and um, he's going to start at Collision and there were a couple of things done. I mean, there was uh, a, uh, um, there was some legal stuff that was taken care of. Um, there were NDAs involved in this. And I think the, the key stuff is that uh, AW was protected as far as, um, you know, him showing up for all the dates. And uh, the decision is, as far as we know, um, that Ace Steel will be working remotely. He will not be an agent going to the collision shows, which was what the big you know, thing that happened last Tuesday was. So that was how that was settled. And, uh, you know, so I think that uh, judging from the, what I would call uh, lack of excitement when it came to ticket buyers for these collision shows, um, they needed something really big. And Punk is about the biggest thing that they could get right now um, that would be available that, you know, in, in that date, you know, in that, by, by June 17th. So it was, you know, there was a lot of pressure to make the thing work. And, um, you know, they had been, you know, I mean, it was, it, it was a, a done deal with Punk multiple times over the last couple of months. I mean, we talked about it a long time ago. There were some things that had happened. There was one, more than one occasion, but in the end, you know, the deal is made, at least for right now, and uh, we'll have to see how it uh, goes from here. So apparently they're all buddy-buddy now. Apparently they kissed and made up. Tony bent to the whim of CM Punk's demands. Ace Steel has his job back. I don't think he is going to be returning in the building, though. I think Tony held firm on that. Uh, but Ace Steel is still definitely getting a nice fat paycheck from AEW. Thanks to CM Punk. The old Brutus the Barber beefcake deal. Or the Lanny Poffle deal. Or however you want to slice it. All the big stars always got a buddy that they want to bring along with them. And give them, give them a chance. Give them an opportunity. Get them a job. And of course... A steal, no exception to that. CM Punk will definitely be at the United Center for the debut of Collision. I don't think that's in doubt. Like I said, I've seen people online saying that they, they still aren't sure and speculating and debating it still and saying that the fans are going to throw a fit if he's not there, which they would. You can't play the United Center 
if CM Punk's not going to be there, that's why uh, apparently, according to Meltzer, they did have Daly's place on retainer. Boy, would that have been a lackluster uh, announcement, though. Hey, uh, the debut of this new show, Collision, will be at Daly's place. But CM Punk on his way back. Now it remains to be seen if he's going to be wrestling anytime soon. Are they going to say if it was me, I would save his match for uh, All In London. He has to be on that card. I will not risk CM Punk being injured in any way, shape, or form until I've gotten him on that Wembley show. I want to sell that bitch out. And CM Punk wrestling on the card will sell that bitch out. And I don't trust that he can stay healthy. So I would not put him in a match all summer long. Two months. No matches. Maybe a tag situation with FTR or something where they can keep him relatively healthy. But this motherfucker breaks his foot for six months just doing crowd dives into the fucking into the fans it's a risk it's a risk to have punk wrestle before wembley uh so it remains to be seen if he will or not will he be part of the forbidden door show obviously there's great matches that we'd love to see him in um but it remains to be seen and and how will the fans take to him when the announcement was made for the united center we heard a bit of a mixed reaction there was definitely a pop in the crowd, but there were definitely boos and some scuttlebutt and some mumbling and ramblings going on in the crowd. The crowd was buzzing, if you will. Some people just don't like Punk. They don't ever want to see him again. They thought he did too much damage or they just think he's overrated to begin with. A lot of CM Punk haters out there. And there's a lot of CM Punk fans as well. It'll be interesting to see how Collision does if they do a hard brand split or even a soft brand split. What it's like, what the fans will watch, you know, will Collision get more viewers and start to grow with guys like CM Punk and FTR on the roster? Or, you know, will Dynamite be the the flagship holding strong with, you know, the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega and that sort of thing? Different types of wrestling, different types of fans. This whole story has been drama from the very beginning, ever since the ever since Punk came back, essentially. There's been drama for your mama. Even just the promos, people are cutting in the ring. You know, we, Eddie Kingston cut a scathing promo on CM Punk. Nobody in the locker room likes you. They don't want you here. They're afraid to tell you, but I'll tell you to your face. Hangman Page, I'm defending the locker room from you. Or AEW from you. A lot of people hate CM Punk. And then the brawl out and all that drama that happened. He made a big old mess. And even now, he's still a pain in everybody's ass with the Ace Steel. And, oh, you know, I don't know if I want to come back. Now there's a non-disclosure agreement that was signed. So Punk's probably not going to ever talk about any of this shit. We're not going to get the uh, him going on the fucking uh, some podcast and spilling his beans about AEW and all of that. Never going to happen. It's even been as far as reported that they're super friendly now, like grossly friendly. So it will remain to be seen how all of this will play out. I expect to see CM Punk return at Collision. Probably cut an in-ring promo. Maybe be interrupted by somebody. Maybe somebody steps in and... and Maybe we get the setup for the first angle right away. But, uh, you know, I wouldn't be sad if he just came out and cut a promo like he did at the first dance. 
address the fans, address his absence, address the brawl out to the extent that he can. It'll be interesting. Interesting to see how things play out. But let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. Are you excited to see CM Punk return at Collision? Or are you one of the people that don't ever want him to come back? Fuck CM Punk. Get out of my company. Go away. Or are you one of those people who think maybe he won't come back? Maybe something else will happen. And maybe Larry won't get a contract. Larry the dog. And fucking Punk's going to hold up Tony for uh, to, to add a fucking dog walker to the payroll or something. Who knows? Anything could happen between now and then, so time will tell. Let me know your thoughts in the comments below, and I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next. Well, one person who is certainly hoping that CM Punk does not return at AEW Collision is Eric Bischoff, who got into a very heated debate with Conrad Thompson this week on 83 Weeks, a loud back-and-forth screaming argument with Conrad Thompson over the announcement of AEW Collision, the press release, the lack of CM Punk in the press release, and it led to Eric Bischoff making a certain bet that CM Punk would not be making his return to AEW at Collision. And uh looks like he's going to lose that bet. But let's take a look at this clip and see how it went down. This is going to be a little bit longer, but it's worth it. It's worth the full clip because they get into it. It is heated. Check out this clip, and I'll catch you on the flip side. Respectfully, Eric, you're talking like a fan today. Really? These guys got a new television deal, which we all assume is for a new guaranteed television rights deal. That's something that almost every wrestling promoter in the world would cut their pinky off for. And he had an opportunity here today to say, Hey man, congratulations. But now the real work starts. It was a real challenge for me trying to do nitro and thunder. And you've already got rampage. It's going to be a lot to juggle. He might need some more support staff, but Hey, he secured the bag. Instead, you said, well, but the creative dude, we're talking about business and you're talking about creative. That's are you going to tell me they're not related? Yes. The business is the creative. If you don't have characters in your television, you're going to go out of business. Am I allowed to talk on this fucking show at all? I said, welcome to 83 weeks and you vomited for 30 minutes. Can I have you ask me a question? And then you just keep on and on and on. Like one of those goddamn toys where you can pull the string in the back, but yours is in the front and you just keep pulling. Can I'm here to enlighten, not to give fucking pep talks and accolades and be a, a prop and a promotional opportunity. It's not about being a promotional opportunity. I'm it's here about- to give an observation based on experience. What could they have done this week that you would have praised? Is there any way, anything they could have done this week? Or you said, damn, they had a home run with that. What night would have been a better night, Eric? What terms would have been better? Who should have been on the fucking poster? You're on here talking about, well, CM Punk clown show based on what? A report you read on a, on a pay-per-click website? You don't know what really happened. You're the guy who rails anytime I quote the observer. Now you're buying into that and saying, well, with what happened this week, I, I honestly, I don't want to talk about it anymore. This is the guy who tore his bicep and has been off injured and they found a way to keep his name in the headlines. 
And if he shows up on one of these other shows and you got fucking work, you're going to look like a goof out here talking about creative. The show. We'll see. And you know what? I'll be happy. The show has never aired. I just don't understand how we jump to all these conclusions about this guy's not on that show. He's not on this show that was created for him. There was cre- We've never, no one from Turner has ever said, boy, we That's gave true. Tony all, we gave Tony all this cash because we thought we were getting CM Punk and now we can't get him to the table. That's never, I, 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 that's not what I'm saying. You're putting my yeah. words in my mouth. What You're I'm jumping saying to that is, conclusion, though. What I'm saying is that the, the premiere, the announcement of this show was to include CM Punk, and now it doesn't. And TBS or Turner had to come out and actually send out a press, press release saying CM Punk is not affiliated with the new show. The and show is a month away! Why would you make the announcement in a press release instead of having him show up this weekend at the pay-per-view? Here's what I do know. I do know that TBS had to put out a press release saying CM Punk is not affiliated with with, uh, Collision. Why would they do that? It's creative because he might be on the TNT show. He might. All right. And you know what? If if that is the case, if that is the case, I will on the next episode or whenever that June 17th, I think is the premiere date. If that happens and if this is all some complex very creative, layered, strategic, creative effort. I so think it's just let's make a bet. If Tony Khan, if CM Punk is on the pay-per-view this weekend, or he's on the June 17th collision, will you shave your head on this program with a Henson razor? I'll, I'll take you up. Oh, as long as if I'm right, you do the same. I was trying to transition to a spot. Do you want to say? Oh, no, 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 no. I take stuff personally like this. I'm committed to my, my beliefs and the things that I say. I stand behind them. All right. Fuck it. I'll shave. All right. Now here's the deal. Either one of us shaving our heads on camera live is not great video, right? It takes too much time. But what I will do is if, if I lose this bet, I will shave my head with a Henson razor. Mrs. B will take video of it and we'll post that or clips of it. And you will do the same. And, and yeah, let's, let's do it. And I'll show up on this show with a shaved head. If, if you're right and I'm wrong, I'll, you're going to look like Lex Luthor in this motherfucker. And I'm ready. I just wear a fucking hat, man. It's not that big a deal. My hair grows fast. It's just hair. Mr. Eric Bischoff, who still has, the most iconic hair ever. Well, that's like for maybe a couple more weeks, right, Eric? Man, I had to break the news to my wife this morning. We're sitting in a sauna together and uh, just chatting. And I said, uh, by the way, hon, um, <laughs> looks like I might be getting my head shaved down in Huntsville. And she looked at me like, what in the hell are you talking about? And I, I said, look, I made a bet. Looks like I may lose it. Um, it is what it is, but I'm a man of my word. And if I, if I lose that bet, because a lot of things can happen between now and then, um, yeah, I'll be getting my head shaved. Yeah, I think with the announcement of Collision debuting from the United Center in Chicago, that pretty much seals the fate for Eric Bischoff's silver fox hair. Of course, anything can happen between now and then. Maybe CM Punk holds up Tony Khan for fucking Larry the Dog. Get a contract for Larry the dog. Or maybe, you know, he hurts his foot. Fucking walk into the building or something. and needs to take six more months off of TV. Anything could happen. 
So Eric Bischoff could still technically win this, and we would see Conrad shaving his head, but it looks like we're going to see Eric shave his head, which wouldn't be the first time we have seen Eric Bischoff shave his head before. That's how we found out that he was silver to begin with, because I think he was dyeing his hair black at the time, and then when he got shaved, it was just all silver underneath and grew back silver and white or whatever. Look, uh, props to Eric Bischoff for taking the bet. You know, Eric Bischoff, uh, absolutely a guy that will put his money where his mouth is and not a guy to back down from a challenge or a bet. So respect where respect is due. But he's going to lose that one. CM Punk is undoubtedly returning at the United Center unless, barring something major happens, I think it's a foregone conclusion at this point that we're going to see him there. It's fun watching him argue with Conrad. Conrad will take it to him, man, and he did. He fucking, he was screaming at Eric Bischoff. Am I allowed to talk on this fucking show or what? God, I said, introduce you and you just fucking go for a half hour. Man, <laughs> the show hasn't aired yet. Oh, my God. I, I highly, and I, I picked out uh, some of the highlights of this, but I highly recommend just going and watching at least the first 30, 40 minutes of that episode. It is linked down in the description below. Before they get into the subject, they cover the Four Horsemen. Um, but before that, it's all about AEW's new show, Collision, the announcement, the marketing, Punk's return, and, and Bischoff and Conrad just going at each other. And it makes for great entertainment. That is great podcasting right there. That's a good show. That's what makes it entertaining. Bischoff, never afraid of confrontation, never willing to back down from a conflict, loves a good fight. Whether it be fist fight or verbal, as he always says, um, Conrad Thompson not afraid to take it to Eric Bischoff either. So this will be a fun one. It'll be fun watching Eric Bischoff shave his head. We will absolutely cover that here on the show. We'll play that clip. It'll look something like this here. Uh, that side. That did. That side over there the the meme that i created there with with bischoff baldy baldy bischoff there oh it'll be fun to see and punk on his way back to aew what are your thoughts on this whole thing what are your thoughts on cm punk returning to aew the debut of collision the marketing for collision do you agree with Eric Bischoff? Do you agree with Conrad Thompson? Is this a good move for the business? And are you excited to see Eric Bischoff have his head shaved bald on his podcast? Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next. With the debut of the new AEW show Collision on the horizon and the all-but-confirmed return of CM Punk, speculation has been going around about whether or not there will be an official brand split between the two shows in AEW. This was something I had talked about last week as Sean Ross Sapp from Fightful had confirmed that he had heard that there will be an absolute full-on brand split for AEW, a hard brand split, if you will. And, of course, we haven't really heard anything more about that. So it was in the conference call for W Double or Nothing, W, 
double or nothing for AEW that Tony Khan was asked flat out, are you planning a brand split for this new show? And here's what Tony Khan had to say. Check out this clip. Is there a plan for a brand split between Dynamite and Collision with your current roster? Well, I haven't given uh, lengthy explanations yet for what I'm planning regarding the future of the roster and how people will be allocated across Dynamite and Collision and our other shows. And it's a great question. I think uh, certainly I could see why wrestling fans all over the world would be interested in that and curious about that. And I think that's frankly by design uh, that we want to build that curiosity in and get people wondering exactly what you're asking. Uh, what's the future of the AEW roster and uh, what does this all mean going forward after double or nothing? Uh, so it's really good questions and it's something we're going to be excited to follow up on. So that means, yeah, right? Like obviously he, he would have said no if he wasn't going to do that or uh, you know, he kind of he didn't want to give it away too much. It's uh, either built into the hype and the speculation and, and, and that sort of thing to just kind of keep people guessing or it's something that he's going to announce or kind of build some marketing or promotional or booking around within the next couple of weeks after Double or Nothing kind of made it sound like let's just get through Double or Nothing and then we're going to kind of address, start addressing some of these things as we head into the debut of Collision. Uh, I think a brand split's a good idea. I don't know that you do a completely hard brand split. I don't know that you need to have everybody separate on the rosters. I would even be okay with just doing... You know, as long as guys are only wrestling or appearing on one show per week, they can rotate around. But it does sound like there will be a hard split other than champions at this time. Uh, we heard there will be champions and other uh, exceptions that will have the ability to kind of float. But the idea is to keep the CM Punk crew on one show and the Elite crew on the other show. There's a reason behind that, and that's what they're doing, and they will have a brand split. It's going to be interesting to see. In fact, uh, one of the things that I am working on currently is a video that will be a fantasy draft, a fantasy brand split, if you will, for AEW. I'll have that video out before Collision debuts, before we know for sure what the plan is. Just keep an eye out for that. Uh, Tony had other things he was talking about on this conference call. It was a very newsworthy conference call, in my opinion. Uh, one of the other things he was asked about was, with this new show, Collision, does it come with a whole new TV deal? We had heard that AEW was looking at getting a billion-dollar TV deal. That was the big rumor, and then we heard nothing about it since. So Tony Khan was asked flat out with the new show Collision, what is that? What does that make for your TV deal? Do you have a new TV deal, or is that just a new show added to the TV deal? Check out this clip. Is there any news that you can tell us about uh, the future of Dynamite and Rampage? Have, have those been renewed for a new deal with WBD beyond? Uh, the term that the current deal ends in you know, 2023 or 2024? That's another great question. The scope of the deal as it is, uh, the length is the same. And I don't want to get too deep into those conversations, but I would say the length of the term is the same. And this is an addition to what we'd already put together. Uh, and everybody was really excited about 
the success of AEW on TV at TBS and TNT, and uh, they reached out to us and gave us this great opportunity. Um, I think it spoke highly of AEW that this show and the idea to give AEW more programming goes all the way to the top to Mr. Zaslav, who is one of the most powerful and intelligent people in all of media on this entire planet. And he likes what we're doing with AEW on TBS and TNT, and it was literally his idea for there to be more AEW on TNT. And I'm very grateful for that. And I think uh, we're going to do our best to make sure Collision is a great show and also maintaining great show with Rampage and also trying to take Dynamite to new heights. So, no, as previously speculated here on this channel and, you know, other reporters had talked about this as well. Meltzer talked about it. Wade Keller was talking about it. Wade Keller, you know, say what you will about Meltzer, but Wade Keller doesn't really dabble in speculation all that much. He's usually pretty straight up. That's why he doesn't make the news a lot because he doesn't really report a lot of bullshit, you know. Uh, but Wade's an OG and I do trust his opinion. Uh, I do think, you know, even though that collision collision has is, is at this point just a TV deal for that show itself. But I do think this shows that Warner Brothers Discovery is the you know, they're big fans of AEW. They are looking to invest in AEW. This was passed down from David Zaslov himself, according to Tony Khan. Zaslov, of course, the new boss man in charge of Warner Brothers Discovery. He was the guy that came in and took over. He was the head of Discovery. And when they merged, he came in and was firing everybody. And that's when everybody was like, oh, my God, AEW. You know, he was canceling shows and movies. And they're like, yeah, AEW is going to get the, the axe, going to get the chopping block. And I was one of the very first people. And you can go back and look in my archives that was saying that this that they're going to actually invest in AEW. This was before we heard anything about Collision or a new TV deal or even Slap Fight or All Access or any of that shit. Because Zaslav did an interview and he talked about his vision for the network. And he had talked about he was going to invest in fandoms. He wanted fandoms. That's why they also they own DC. And they were spinning off DC into its own uh, studio, essentially, just like Disney owns Marvel, the MCU, but the Marvel is its own separate studio. Lucas Films uh, for Star Wars is its own separate thing owned by Disney. DC is that. Now, AEW won't necessarily be that, but AEW is something David Zaslav said. I want to invest in fandoms. I want to invest in non-scripted television which is like reality shows game shows anything that's not like a scripted series because it's cheaper to produce and of course they want to build a big sports uh, uh sports branding as well on their network so aw fandom crazy fandom check cheap to produce check non-scripted check Sports-like, check, live, right? It brings that live, must-see element. Anything can happen. There's no reason for them to want to cut AEW. Plus, AEW is one of the highest-rated shows on TV, especially in the demographics, every single week. You don't even get me fucking started on, oh, the demographic. That is very important. Trust me, it is. Uh, it's the only thing. That was the big thing when uh, Tucker Carlson just left Fox News. 
and and his the the Fox News demographics for that hour that that Tucker was on just fucking tanked. The ratings tanked too, the overall ratings, but the demographic especially, and that was a big big deal because the demographic is what's important to the people marketing, right? People that are selling ads don't want to sell ads to 60-year-olds or fucking 12-year-olds. They want to sell ads to the people that can spend the money. And those are the people that watch AEW, and that's why they built around AEW. That's why they tried to add Slap Fight. I don't know if is that show even on anymore. I don't know what the fuck's going on with that. But they tested out, and this was the head of programming. Uh, I forgot her name now. It's a, a chick. But she had come out and said that Slap Fight was purposely added because they want to build around AEW. They want to AEW be an anchor program on their show where they want to start building around it now. They were, they're looking for other stuff that they can put on after. So they did Slap Fight. They did All Access. Now they're adding another collision show. They are investing in AEW. So even though this is not a new TV deal for them overall per se, um, you know, essentially this was a deal to add another two hours of TV to the show with an exclusivity clause, which takes them off of YouTube. The dark and dark elevation can no longer be there. Uh, I would expect... To see, and this could be depending on how well Collision does too. So all of that is up in the air. Uh, but I would highly expect to see AEW still get a billion dollar TV deal. Now, a billion's not a lot because over five years, it's only two hundred million per year, and that's you know to pay for Rampage, Dynamite, Collision, and then possibly stuff on the streaming network too—a back catalog possibly pay-per-views. So when you add all that shit in, it's really not that big of a TV deal, especially with the numbers that are being thrown around for TV lately. So I think a lot of people on the internet who are spitting on that really just aren't educated. A billion-dollar TV deal for over five years for all of that programming is really a fucking steal, honestly. So it could probably even do better than a billion. But that's just me speculating as an educated guess. Knowing what TV rights deals are these days um, and, and what value AEW brings and what David Zaslov and Warner Brothers Discovery are looking to do. Look, if they're able to pull pay-per-views and the entire back catalog of AEW, Ring of Honor, and whatever else Tony's able to acquire. If I was Tony and I was able to get a streaming deal, I would be looking into acquiring like Pro Wrestling Gorilla and fucking... Uh, you know, basically anything that they can get their hands on, all these indie promotions and stuff, they can get their back. He, if he can get their back catalogs or whatever, even to license it or whatever, get that shit on the network, be a big coup, and you know, for for the max for Warner Brothers Discovery's max network to have something like AEW and all the back catalog and stuff, similar to the way Peacock has the WWE network. It's a big deal. This is a big, big deal for Tony Khan. And this is all good things for AEW. Haters aside, say what you want. Think what you want. Big things are coming. AEW is Warner Brothers Discovery. Highly invested in AEW as a property at this time. Um, that could obviously all change if the ratings tank, if the product goes to shit, if somebody new takes over Warner Brothers Discovery. Like All these things can happen, but... 
it's just looking like they're just picking up more and more steam despite lower ratings, despite all the internet trolls and haters. And I expect shit to pick back up with CM Punk as well. Once he comes back around, that's going to increase ratings. And it did sound like, too, during this conference call, you know, he was asked about Mercedes Monet and Willow. You know, Willow got that surprise win over Mercedes Monet at uh, uh, the New Japan Strong Show. And apparently Mercedes was supposed to win that. And there was a possible deal on the table to have her brought into Forbidden Door. Tony Khan did speculate on saying, you know, only me and her know. So I think, you know, he'll be looking to bring in Mercedes at some point would be my guess after her broken whatever the fuck heels. Bad timing because it would have been nice to have her both on the Forbidden Door show, but also <clears throat> get her in the Wembley, get her to Wembley Stadium, get her on Wembley Stadium anyway, even if she's injured, have her fucking come out, announce her contract signing, the newest signing, you know, remember, uh, there was what WrestleMania and the Hoosier Dome when the Legion of Doom came out. They could just do that. Legion of Doom didn't wrestle there, but they were in a, they 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 made an appearance. Have her do that. But I expect really big things for AEW going forward, at least for the foreseeable future, at least for this new TV rights deal, which is coming up at the end of the year, I believe. Still, so by 2024, we'll know a whole new deal, perhaps. And I expect that to go really well for them. After that, who knows? I won't speculate that far out into the future, but I expect this to go really good for them. And uh, WWE's too. WWE, I think, will set record numbers again this time as they are currently shopping around their catalog as well, looking for their new TV rights deals. So uh, big things popping in the world of professional wrestling, but let me know your thoughts down in the comments below. Why you think it's laughable that they could get a new TV deal or a good TV deal or why it's laughable that Warner Brothers Discovery would support AEW. Let me know your thoughts and feelings about that. Or if you have any other thoughts about AEW's possible success in the future, WWE's TV rights deals, anything at all related, let me know your fucking penis size if you want. Just put fucking 11 soft down in the comments. I don't care. Just interact with me, and I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next. Well, finally, after years and years and years in development hell, AEW has finally announced a release date for the Fight Forever video game. And, of course, who better to make the announcement than the man himself, Kenny Omega. Check out this clip. Now, quite some time ago, we announced our first foray into the video game world, AEW Fight Forever. We wanted to develop an arcade experience that was fun, easy to pick up and play, but difficult to master. We believe that AEW and our partners with Ukes have created just that experience. And finally, I'm happy to announce that we are ready to announce a release date. So, for Nintendo Switch, PS4, 5, Xbox, and PC, you can finally get your hands on AEW Fight Forever on June 29th. Get your copy now, pre-download, pre-order. Thank you so much for your patience and being awesome fans. And I hope to see you guys online in the game. Until then, must bid you adieu, goodbye, and good night, bye-bye. 
I'm excited. I'm excited for the new game. I love a good wrestling game. The uh, WWE 2K games are a bit complicated. Uh, They're a bit more advanced. You can't just pick up the controller and play it unless it's on, like, easy mode or something. You'll get your ass kicked. Takes a little bit of a skill level and a learning curve to get used to that game. AEW said they've set out to design a game that's easy to just pick up and play, but yet difficult to master, as Kenny Omega said. Um, So I'm excited to see that. And they've modeled the game after the old WCW NWO Revenge game or the No Mercy game. Those games were classics in their day. Some of the greatest wrestling video games ever created. Uh, they don't look as realistic. Uh, the AEW game definitely looks very arcadey. It is not a realism game, whereas you look at WWE 2K, they go for realism, similar to the other 2K games. And I like that there's both of those out there. There can be both. It would be cool to have a realistic AEW video game, but I like that they decided to go with something different. You know, you can't, uh, Eric Bischoff always likes to say, you can't, if you're just trying to copy the, the, the main, the, the big guy, you're always going to look like number two. If you can't be better than, be different than. They are not going to create a game that's going to beat WWE 2K. That's not going to be better than. It's not going to look better. The gameplay is not going to be, you know, they're just not going to top it. So they have to be different than. What's the best way to be different than? Go arcade style. Go a little bit more cartoony. And go with something that you know people already love and have a fond memory for. That gameplay mode, the 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 way that that game was set up back in the day, the way that you could uh, you could you could edit your characters, the way that you could do the moves, the way the blood was, the weapons, the fighting, the the just the controls of it, the whole gameplay of those games, those games. There's a reason those games are so fondly remembered by wrestling fans. A lot of it is maybe they're just the games that they grew up on, and there's definitely something to be said for that. But these were the wrestling games. Before that, like the Super Nintendo games, I don't know if you've played uh, how far back your wrestling history of video games goes, but I remember playing like Steel Cage for the regular NES with like Hulk Hogan and Bam Bam Bigelow and Andre the Giant and Macho Man and Ted DiBiase. And then uh, for the Super Nintendo, they had a a string of games. They had a a Super WrestleMania, which had the first Survivor Series mode. And then there was, uh, after that, Royal Rumble, which I had a friend that had Royal Rumble, and we played the fuck out of Royal Rumble back in the day. And then the upgrade to that was Raw. That had, like, Diesel and the 1-2-3 Kid and Owen Hart and Luna Vachon and then, uh, you know, up into the 64, you know, the Super Nintendo games were kind of like you're, you're facing each other and you could punch and you could kick and you could lock up. And, you know, that was one of the cool things about the Super Nintendo ones is you could lock up and it had the meter where you could struggle back and forth and then do like a suplex or something. And then you could build up to your finisher at the end of the match or something. Um, you know, those were good for the, their time at, in, in those days, but really the with the... Nintendo 64 and the wrestling games that were created for that system, they were game changers. Absolute fucking game changers for the world of professional wrestling gaming. So I like that they're copying that model. I think this is going to do great. I also like that it's designed, at least as far as I'm aware, as I've heard and read, 
Uh, it's designed to be upgradable, so they're not going to come up with a Fight Forever 2 next year, Fight Forever 2024. It's just going to be a game that's going to be out for the foreseeable future, five years probably at least, six, you know, until technology advances so much. There's a PlayStation 6, and, and they just need to do an upgraded game. But until then, they're just going to do like the uh, like the downloadable upgrades and that kind of thing is bugging me um where you can just download new characters or new arenas like collision obviously is not going to be built into the game but you know that can absolutely be an add-on for next year or later this year or something like that they can design like a downloadable collision package or whatever the fuck a ring of honor package add ring of honor to it there's lots of fun things that they can continue to do with that game uh, I think it's going to be a hit. I think wrestling fans will really like it. Adam Cole came out and he spoke about it. Uh, he said that it's going to be fun and he is a video game aficionado if there ever was one. And of course he works for AEW so he could just be blowing smoke up everybody's ass. But he says that it's very fun and that people will love it. So uh, you got to take his word for it, right? It's Adam Cole, baby. It's not going to fib us. It's a fib. It's a good, wholesome, honest pure of heart man but uh i i'm excited i'm a gamer i'm a casual gamer i'm not a online all the time playing shit like you know but uh i am a casual gamer i like the grand theft auto games and stuff like that but uh, wrestling games are always fun and this one will certainly be exciting let me know your thoughts down in the comments below are you excited for this game are you glad it's finally got a release date do you not care did you not like any of those old revenge or, or no mercy games what did you think about those old games are you excited that AEW is doing a game like that or would you like to see them do something more realistic like 2k let me know your thoughts down in the comments below I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next. Well, I don't think anyone can really argue that John Cena will inevitably go down as one of the biggest stars ever in the history of professional wrestling. An icon status household name up there with Hulk Hogan, Stone Cold Steve Austin, The Rock. John Cena has blazed his path being forced down our throats, mania after mania after mania, tied with Ric Flair for the most world titles ever held in the business of professional wrestling. Obviously, John Cena, a legend, a future Hall of Famer, somebody that has earned our respect over the years. He didn't always get it. We were always pretty hard on John because he was being shoved down our throats, but I think we all have a pretty healthy respect for John Cena now now that he's in his later years. So it may come as a surprise to most of you that after being shoved down our throats for so long, that John Cena was actually on the chopping block in WWE at one time. Not just maybe, not just he was floundering and it looked like maybe he wasn't going to have his career. He was literally told that he was going to be in the next batch of cuts from the WWE. So how did he go from that to this? Check out this clip. The scariest moment for me was when they were like, hey, we're going to let you go. Like, it's going to be a few months from now, and, and that's that. Because then then I don't have the chance to be like, oh, I hope they remember me. It's just done. 
So, you know, the start of my career, the uh, ruthless aggression era that everyone now romanticizes, which we so often do with the past, like it was great. It sucked for me. I had no direction. I was asked to be a good guy when I'd, I'd got my experience as a bad guy. So I was asked to do something new. I lost my nickname. I had my real name. So what is a John Cena? I don't know what that is. I was too stupid to realize that like I could use the two words ruthless and aggression and create a personality. I wish I, I, wish I could get that opportunity now because mm-hmm. I do a lot more with it. But I squandered it. And in doing so, justifiably so, they started me with Kurt Angle and then put me in a few pay-per-views with Chris Jericho. I got to, they gave me an opportunity, plenty of opportunity. It was my miss. And then I'm working, you know, velocity and on with matches, no story or very little narrative because they just need content. And that's, that's where you go to go on to your next endeavor. And I was told like they make a winner in spring cuts. And I was like, yo, you're going to be in the winter round and just letting you know. And you were told that, yeah, straight and then, up. And then the uh, European tour in the fall saved me. <laughs> so that's my that's my scariest moment to wow. know that when I still didn't know my craft. Um, there's been so many performers that have been uh, released from WWE and go on to really have wonderful careers elsewhere, and maybe eventually come back. Or, but that's uh, fine. I I don't think I would have come back. I don't think I would have done anything else. So it would have been like the end, see you, bye. I'll try to do something different. Man. That was not Sam Wrestling. John Cena sitting down with Sam Roberts over in the Sirius XM studios promoting his Fast and Furious movies, been doing the media rounds as of late. Really good interview with Sam Roberts. A big interview, by the way, for Sam Roberts. Uh, it was funny. He did does his Lonely Friday Nights uh, uh, videos with Hot Dog. I don't know if anybody watches those. He kind of talks about other stuff besides wrestling, but he talked about uh, how the clips were starting to circulate for this uh john cena interview that didn't have any kind of branding or or anything (laughs) saying that it was a sam roberts interview so he was kind of giving hot dog shit about that because hot dog had edited those clips for him um but certainly john cena huge interview for sam roberts props to him and a great interview with cena he was very open uh, very honest about his career he's a very humble guy very introspective, retrospective, however you want to word it. It's crazy that the dude was almost cut. You know, I had heard that, you know, he was kind of getting to a point before he, he became the rapper guy where they didn't really know what else to do with him. And, you know, Stephanie, he's told the story before. Stephanie saw him rapping on a bus and the rest was history. I did not know he was told flat out, you will be cut. You're part of the next cuts. And somehow, some way, it was that rapping gimmick that saved him. As cheesy as it was, it was something. It was a direction to go other than being basically just the prototype. You know, like Cena said in this interview, I didn't know what a John Cena was. My gimmick was taken away from me. I was made a baby face instead of a heel. He was the, the prototype, a heel on his brief independent run and, and training and that sort of thing. And then, uh, you know, getting the call up to WWE. Now he's babyface John Cena. What's that? How do I do that? I just wear the local team's football colors every week. Is that the thing that I do? And that's going to get me over? 
He now regrets not taking the ruthless aggression and making that a character and building his personality around that. That would have probably been smart. But look, everything worked out just fine for good old John Cena, right? I think he had a decent little career. Uh, Cena, I mean, he's a household name. Even my kids know and love John Cena. They know you can't see me and that he's invisible. They know he's in Fortnite. Um, he's a household name. Now he's doing the movies thing. He's a big movie star and TV star with the Peacemaker show. And now Fast and Furious. John Cena has made a, an incredible success out of himself and out of his career. And uh, he he's built it from literally nothing. He worked for every opportunity he got. This was a guy who came in and was given an opportunity because of his look and his promise and fucking floundered it, squandered it, pissed it away, ruined it, didn't impress anybody to the point where nobody knew what to do with him anymore and he was going to be cut. We're going to let you go because fuck you. And just was able to save his career from the rap shit, and the rest is history. I personally like John Cena. I got a lot of respect for John. Uh, I did not like him during his run as champion, shoved down our throats. You know, I was one of those, like the the that ECW one-night stand show against Rob Van Dam. I was one of those kind of fans. Fuck John Cena, you know. I would have pissed on him if I had the chance back then. But now, as a wiser man... I respect Cena. I respect what he's done, and I appreciate everything that he's given of himself to this business. And he's also said recently, like, I would still be doing this. He said that in that clip I covered last week from Busted Open. I would still be doing this. It was not my intention to just use wrestling to springboard myself into a Hollywood career. It's just I I can't wrestle anymore. Got to do something with myself. Props to John Cena. Much respect. Hustle, loyalty, and respect. I'm moving on to the next. Adrenaline in my soul. Something, something, Cody Rhodes. We all love that song, right? That is the banger intro music for 2023. Kingdom by a band by the name of Downstate. But what do we really know about the song Kingdom in the band Downstate? Well, for one, the band Downstate has made other theme songs. This is something I was not aware of. They are the band that was behind the song, uh, the, the song that Miz comes out to, I Came to Play. That song is sung by the exact same people that do the Kingdom song for Cody Rhodes. Apparently they did a remake for Zack Ryder as well. They do the Britt Baker theme song. Lots of different theme songs that they are involved with, but none greater than the song Kingdom for Cody Rhodes. And how did all of this come about? Well, we have the lead singer of the band Downstate here to break it down. And no, this is not Eddie Kingston. I know you saw the thumbnail. You're looking at it over there. In, 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 I always point the other directions because the camera faces is this way, that way. The, the, the guy over there, that's not, it's not Eddie Kingston. It's the lead singer of the band Downstate. And he talks with Chris Van Vliet on the Insight podcast this week about how it all came about. How did he get the gig to do the song for Cody Rhodes? 
And uh, how did it end up going from the indies through AEW all the way into WWE? Check out these clips. Cody put out a tweet saying, what entrance music should I use uh, on the indies? Yeah. I knew this dude's character. I'm a wrestling historian. I know what he wants to sing about. And I know that what he's going through a little bit just because dirt sheets sometimes are right. We sent him a tweet just through whomever we had already worked for. And we said, hey, man, can we give it this song a shot? And we sent him a snippet of what we were thinking about. And I sent him my words over in that hard team, hard times bring uh, breed better, man. It's just straight cop from his dad's promo. He highlighted the lyrics that everybody's singing now. And it's just like. Okay, we still got it. We went and recorded it, sent sent it back to him. Um, he started taking it everywhere with him, and the song was catching on. And just that underground little bubble of people is like, hey, man, this is a really good tune. Yeah. I'm fascinated by the idea that the Cody Rhodes whoa is so over now. And it's amazing to me that it took six years for this to happen. And That's nobody talks about the fact that this was his theme song when he was on the indies. This was mm -hmm. his theme song in Ring of Honor. Mm -hmm. This was his theme song in Impact Wrestling. This was his theme song in AEW. Nobody was singing along to the whoa at, until he was in, until he was in WWE. Correct. Um, so that's planned, by the way. Us being as big of fans as we are, like Smoke and Mirrors has had that whoa, yeah, in some form or fashion. It, well, you didn't do that on accident. That's a callback joke. Like it's all the way. Like let's. Let's bring this all the way together. I guess Kevin Dunn is a humongous fan. So he's put the emphasis on it. During yeah, the it's entrance. now part of the entrance. Oh, man. When there were all the rumors about Cody going to WWE, one of the biggest things was, is he going to have his theme song? I don't want to give away too much, but we were aware that Kingdom was coming and we were in a little bit of a, a legal battle and Cody Rhodes is absolutely the fucking man. And we just wanted our cut of the pie on this one. We know what happens when you, you know, we're not Joan Jett. We're not in living color or in uh, living color. But like when you use a real song, they yeah. get paid. Those artists get paid. Yeah. It's not a part of WWE work. And this is a song that we wrote. It's a licensing thing, right? Yeah, like they get absolutely. paid every time you hit play on that. Correct. So if someone wins, it gets played twice, double your money. That's what we want. We want winners. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we just wanted we were ready to walk away uh from kingdom and say thank you so cody might have come out to something different when he returned to wwe it was pretty close to it and then uh cody we held a silence for a little bit and i'd said my piece and i'm my you know my heart's in my throat and i'm not ready to give up this song I, you know i worked so hard on this song we worked so hard on the song uh and cody just basically breaks the silence and he goes uh well you don't get me without kingdom wow. on this conference call and I was like, all right and he swore up and down right when he started using it that if i go back to wwe i i'm taking kingdom with me hard times read better man i love that song i think it's a great song um 
interesting story by the guy from downstate that they almost did not have kingdom for the WWE. And this was something that Cody Rhodes insisted on. I think Cody had said this before, but we didn't know quite to what extent. Seems like WWE didn't weren't particularly interested in, in paying for the rights to the song. Uh, maybe they were okay with having the song, but not really doing a licensing deal for it. And it was Cody that stuck up for the band. Said, no, this song comes with me or you don't get me. That's a that's a line in the sand to draw if I've ever heard one over a theme song. But it really is everything. That is Cody Rhodes in a nutshell. And it was interesting to hear that the whoa also is uh, a reference to the, the Smoke and Mirrors song. Whoa. You're only smoking mirrors. That which was was also done by Downstate back then. Uh, so very much involved in the theme song industry. What a great gig to have, too, being the theme song guys. Um, they talked about possibly doing a concert next year around WrestleMania. This is something they hadn't considered, but doing a show in Philly, in town for WrestleMania when everybody does all their events and stuff to do like a concert playing all the uh, intro musics, all the theme songs that they do. Um, it's very cool. I, I get nerded out about I like I'll sit and listen to a Jim Johnston interview. I liked the CFOs. I like entrance music. I always have. Even as a kid, I had the WWF, the music volumes, whatever, one, two, and three. I had them all. I loved that shit. I like the entrance musics and Cody's has Cody has one of the hottest entrance themes in all of professional wrestling right now. And it is interesting that it took so many years for it to really take off, you know, because he has had it for like what, six years now. This has been the theme song for Cody Rhodes, but it was only now that it's really starting to take off and probably doing big business for downstate, too, because they're getting a piece of that. So every time it's played on iTunes or YouTube or Spotify or whatever the fuck, even played on TV, I get a little cut of that, a little slice of that cheese. You know what I'm saying? A little slice of the cheese. Good for them. Good for downstate. The guy kind of I seems a little douchey to me. Uh, it did rub me around the wrong way a little bit during the course of the interview. And, uh, you know, he had said that he was a indie wrestler himself at some point. He's got a Ninja Turtles tattoo, though, so he's got to be kind of cool. But I don't know, man. That's just my thoughts. What are your thoughts? How did you like the interview if you heard it? What did you think of the clips? What do you think of the band Downstate? How do you like their entrance music? Oh, there was something else he talked about before I let you go here. Uh, he talked about that they did a, a version of Seth Rollins' theme song. And they actually did the burn it down. They did that in their song. But then WWE opted to not go with their song. And they just did a different song for Rollins or kept the same song. But they added the burn it down from fucking downstate. But that wasn't them singing it. They just stole it. They just took, oh, that sounds cool. Let's pay somebody else to do that instead. And add it to Seth Rollins' song and not give these guys a fucking nickel or any credit for it. So it's been rocky. WWE's relationship with Downstate. They didn't really want to pay him for Cody's theme. They want to fucking steal the rights, uh, steal the, the burn it down screaming. Uh, 
apparently they didn't write the uh, Miz's song. It was written for them by Jim Johnston, and they just kind of came in and did it for them. You know, they were just basically hired to do the vocals and stuff for it. But uh, goddamn, man, I love me some theme musics and a good little interview here. If you're curious about theme musics and all of that, listen to this full interview. But uh, particularly, I wanted to highlight the parts about Cody Rhodes and his theme song, Kingdom, because it's a banger. Whoa! Leave your thoughts down in the comments below. The homicidal, suicidal, genocidal, death-defying, extreme hardcore legend Sabu made his AEW debut this week, surprisingly popping up in the corner of Adam Cole, baby, of all people, to help him out against the Jericho Appreciation Society. And if this seems random as fuck to you... You're not wrong, because it's random as fuck. And Adam Cole Bebe was on the Wrestling Podcast with Brandon Walker this week. R-A-S-S-L-I in this wrestling. And he was asked, Hey, what the fuck's up with Sabu? Check out this clip. I have to ask you a question, because this came out of left field. Sabu? Oh my god. The hell did that come from? How incredible. Listen, I I think over time, and this is pretty wild to really think about, but again, when I was younger, watching ECW, Sabu, obviously, like many others, was one of my absolute favorites. And it's so weird to think as time goes on, because again, Sabu is a student of the game. Uh, He's someone who's been around for a long time. So the fact that I have his respect enough uh, for him to help me with the JAS is, is, is pretty damn cool. I mean, how how when did you know this was coming about? Because like you could have, I was sitting there last night, and it was clear you were leading up to a surprise. But you could have given me a thousand guesses as to who was coming out there to help you, and I would have not come up with Sabu. Yeah, yeah, no, no, it, it was absolutely kind of a last minute decision, especially looking at you know it's great to have Roderick Strong there. Yeah, but again, th- this match Sunday is unsanctioned, and and we know for a fact that the JAS is is going to be involved. So I took a shot in the dark. I, I talked to a friend of a friend, reached out to Sabu. Uh, and again, there's nobody crazier or more prepared for an unsanctioned match situation right. than Sabu. So all came together last minute, man. I feel like his entire life has been unsanctioned. But let me ask you this. Uh, I, homicidal and suicidal, I can be okay with. But don't you think it's kind of problematic to be hanging around with somebody who's genocidal? It is. It is a little bit scary to really think about it, but I'm desperate, my friend. Okay. I, I am desperate. I know what I'm up against, so we'll see what happens. We might all be in trouble, but we'll see. Now, I don't particularly like the kayfabe answers, you know, where, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. the Jericho Appreciation Society has beat me down, so I had to think outside the box. And I reached out to a friend of a friend, and I got Sabu. I don't like that. I don't like those kayfabe answers. It would be nice to just hear the real deal. Tony Khan did say in the conference call he did for Double or Nothing that Sabu was a one-off, that he wasn't signed long-term. He's not expected to be around regularly, but he said if it does go good that he would probably have an open invite to come back sometime for another one-off thing somewhere down the line or whatever. Sabu... Uh, traditionally a little bit difficult to work with, so I don't uh, <laughs> don't blame uh, Tony Khan if he didn't want to have him around full-time. 
I do think that this is a Chris Jericho thing, and let me explain why. Because Chris Jericho had Sabu on the Jericho cruise, and he had him. Uh, they sat down. And met. In fact, I covered this a couple weeks ago. They did a Anatomy of a Deathmatch panel or some shit like that, where you know he did a podcast episode where he sat down with you know uh, Matt Cardona, Ruby Soho, Doctor Luther, and Sabu. And talked about deathmatch wrestling and all of that kind of thing. And it seemed like Jericho and Sabu were kind of hitting it off. Jericho, uh, Sabu had said he didn't really want to come. He's a very, you know, kind of a socially anxious guy. And uh, was kind of dreading coming, but he said that Jericho was very friendly and made him feel at home. And they seemed to hit it off and get along well. And I do believe that this was a Jericho. Now, I don't know for sure, but I do believe this probably led to Jericho offering or wanting to give Sabu a spot on AEW at some point. Get him a payday. So I do believe this because especially because he is in the Jericho angle. And it doesn't make sense in any other way for him to be involved with Adam Cole. There's zero history, zero lineage. There's nothing that would tie Sabu to Adam Cole. So it is seemingly random and out of the blue, as Brandon Walker had said. Give me a thousand guesses. I would have never guessed Sabu, and I, I probably would not have either. I think this is a Chris Jericho thing. I think he's just throwing... Sabu a payday. Uh, I've had the opportunity to work with Sabu in the past. Uh, been on different indie shows with him. Not work like in the ring with him or anything. Um, but, you know, I've been on the same show as Sabu a couple times. Been in a locker room with him. He's a quiet guy. He's a little awkward. Um, you know, and, and a lot of people have said he's difficult to work with, you know, as far as business wise and stuff, not necessarily the over money, but just, you know, whatever. Um, but hell bring him in. He is a legend in this business. Give him a payday. I don't think it's a bad idea to give the man a payday. He's a legend. He's an icon. He's going to get a pop from the crowd. I don't know that he fits specifically. I think he's kind of shoehorned. Oh, we're having an unsanctioned match, so let's go to ECW deathmatch icon Sabu to be the fucking outside enforcer. It's a little weird. But hey, why not? Let's get Sabu a payday, get him on the show. Why the fuck not? Uh, But Tony Khan definitely kind of made it sound like it was... Not going to go any further than this one-off. Well, he flat out said it was a one-off, but he didn't seem too excited about Sabu. I wonder if that was just uh, in general or if he's already had some issues dealing with him. Maybe not. I don't know. But I do think that this was probably a Chris Jericho call. Lots of good stuff in this interview with Brandon Walker, with Adam Cole. Uh, But this is definitely one part that I wanted to highlight because it's Sabu! Gives me a reason to talk about Sabu. Because we don't talk about the in-ring stuff. God knows Sabu ain't going to do another podcast anytime soon. So this is what you get. Adam Cole, baby, was on the Wrestling Podcast with Brandon Walker. R-A-S-S-L-I-N, that's wrestling. I love this podcast, by the way. Brandon Walker is great. They uh, It's for Barstool Sports. And Brandon Walker has been open about saying that uh, it was a weekly podcast, but it uh, the funding to it was cut or whatever the case was. And now he only gets the opportunity to do this around like pay-per-views and stuff like that. Uh, he mentioned in this interview that he was moving to the Chicago area from, you know, Barstool's studios are in New York. 
so it's possible that Brandon Walker, I would like to see this guy. He's so good. He's so entertaining. He's funny. I would like to see him step out on his own. He's got. I feel like he's got the connections now. He doesn't need to do it through Barstool Sports. I think he's he's had Tony Khan on the show multiple times. He's had WWE people on the show. Charlotte Bent was on the show. Uh, he absolutely can get the big interviews without being under the Barstool Sports umbrella. So I think I would like to see Brandon Walker take his show off of the Barstool Sports and do it weekly again. But that's just my thoughts. But anyway, he had Adam Cole, baby, on the show. And Adam Cole talked about numerous things. They got into Britt Baker and Sabu and video games and all of that kind of stuff. But it was in this clip here where Adam Cole talked about if he ever actually considered hanging up the boots once and for all with this recent head injury. Did it make him think that maybe he needs to stop wrestling and find something else to do with his time? Check out this clip. Was there ever a moment in those nine months where you got close to saying, actually, I am going to go ahead and shut it down. I am going to go ahead and step out that door. I, I am going to hang them up. Did you ever get close to doing that? No, no, I, I was so, um, the, I mean, I was afraid that I was going to be told yeah. I couldn't come back for sure. That, that existed for months, but th there was never, uh, even a small part of me that was like, okay, I, I think I am going to hang it up. I, I was okay. so, so focused and so determined on trying to come back. Cause again, this is, this is my entire life since I was nine years old. This is all I, all I ever wanted to do. Um, and again, the, the, the toughest thing was having doctors look at you with like this discouraged, like, right. Eh, we don't know how this is going to go, but, Again, I, I talked about it on the show, but Britt was incredibly helpful. My my family was incredibly helpful. My friends, um, so I tried to keep as much of an optimistic attitude as I could. But it, it was a rough road. But but again, long winded way of saying no. That was going to have to come from doctors. Yes, I, I was going to have to be told. Um, yeah. Listen, this you can't do this. Uh, you're you're risking a, a huge portion of your quality of life, or you, you can't get back in the ring. It's too dangerous. Yeah. If, if I was told that, that would be a, a different pill to swallow, and I would have dealt with that as it came. Uh, but no, yeah, no way anyone, no way I was going to go, eh, I think I'm going to stop. Could you briefly so. just do the discouraged doctor face again? Because I thought that was a funny face. You yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 oh, wait, 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 I'll do it. Wait, let me. Discouraged doctor. There it is. Yeah, yeah, okay. Yeah, fuck that shit, man. I have to be pulled away from this if I'm going to quit. Look how many people had to cut their career short. Brian Danielson did. Christian had to. And they were able to come back. Edge, not from a head injury like Adam Cole had, but Adam Cole, we were very close and, and, and could. We might just be one head injury away from Adam Cole not being, you know, He's at a point now because also once you get concussions, you are more susceptible to concussions going forward. So we could absolutely be looking at a situation where Adam Cole uh, is one head injury away from having to retire. But thankfully, we did not get that in this situation. And we got to see you know, his comeback through the AEW All Access show. That was one of the main stories that it followed was his 
return to the ring, essentially, from being told that he has to step away, that he's not cleared to wrestle, and that his struggle to get himself cleared and all the ups and downs he had with this horrible concussion, sleepless nights and deliriousness and all of that stuff. Now he's back. Now he's facing Chris Jericho at double or nothing. Hopefully he doesn't get himself injured in that match. Being an unsanctioned match, he's got Sabu in his corner. Did do a separate clip of Adam Cole talking about Sabu coming in. So check out that clip if you're just watching the clips. If you're listening to the full episode, you have already heard it. And you already know what I'm talking about. But Adam Cole, baby. Uh, I hope we have Adam Cole around for a long, long time. He's a fantastic talent. The dude needs to bulk up. He's way too skinny to be a main event wrestler. He just is. I'm not a body shamer and I'm not a body guy. Not the WWE type where you got to have, you got to be fucking Batista, Bobby Lashley to be, no. But Adam Cole looks like the fucking, the the pool boy. You know what I mean? Like he's, there, he's toned, but there's, there's like no, he's so frail and breakable. I'd like to see him bulk up a little bit more, but that's just me. But uh, regardless, he's a hell of a talent, both on the mic and in the ring. And now we have, uh, you know, the full Undisputed Era. Well, minus Bobby Fish, but fuck Bobby Fish. But we got, you know, Roderick Strong now. Kyle O'Reilly still out on the injured list. But Adam Cole, hopefully he's got another full long run left in him and possibly even a world title run at some point. Would love to see it. What are your thoughts? What are your thoughts on Adam Cole coming back to the ring? Do you think it's too big of a risk? After the concussions, or do you feel like, hey, if you're cleared, go. Go hard. And uh, what do you think of Adam Cole as a body guy? Do you need to does he need to bulk up a little bit, or is that just nitpicking and body shaming? Let me know all your thoughts. Let me know everything. Let me know if you pick your nose. Just put it down in the comments below. I'm going to go ahead and move on to the next baby. Well, when you think of all-time jobbers in the world of professional wrestling, you think of names like the Brooklyn Brawler, you think of names like Dwayne Gill, right, Gilberg, James Ellsworth. But for me, my all-time favorite jobber has to be Barry Horowitz. Barry Horriblewitz, as I think Bobby Heenan used to say. Barry Horowitz, a fantastic jobber from my childhood. He was always out there putting over all the top talents, always doing the J-O-B for the paycheck at the end of the night. And there was never anything more to it. Just Barry Horowitz was just in the rotation of guys that were getting jobbed out, uh, but few did it better than him. That was until the summer of, what was it, 95 maybe? When he got a quick upset victory over Skip of the Body Donnas. Skip and Sonny at the time. Well, I don't think he was in a tag team quite yet. Skip, Chris Candido. When he debuted with Sonny, he was the Body Donnas. And he had that upset loss to Barry Horowitz. Horowitz just fucking rolled him up. Got the one, two, three. I think he rolled him up. I have to go back and watch it. But this was huge when I was a kid. This was a very big storyline when I was a kid. I've never seen anything like this other than like when the one, two, three kid beat Razor Ramon. 
Maybe it was kind of kind of a recreation of that, but it was a little bit different because Chris Candido Skip was a little bit more comedic and animated. Um, but this really set Barry Horowitz up on a on a trajectory that made his career. That to this day people still remember him as an all time jobber, and this was why. And to hear. The man himself, Barry Horowitz, talk about this angle. Check out this clip. Kevin Nash comes up to me, world champion. He goes, you know, Barry, I'm in some of the meetings, the war room. I said, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going along with this because I was always taught, don't, don't mess up a rib. And I know Kevin, he's ribbing me. He says, you're going over tonight. And he's telling me the gist of the story fastly and whispering it. Oh, wow. Cool. In my mind. Oh, yeah, right. A couple hours later, there's an open catering. The doors, it's wide open. There's tables, round tables. Hey, Pat wants to talk to you. Okay, it's wide open. Everybody can see us talking there. And and it's dim. I sit here. Pat is right there. He says, listen, we're going to do this thing tonight with you and Skip, Chris Candido. He says, if it takes off, we'll prolong it. If it doesn't, it doesn't. Pat lays it out. I thank him. And the rest is history. That was with James over at Wrestling Shoot Interviews, who also does the story time with Dutch Mantel. He always has great interviews over there on his YouTube channel. Highly recommend checking him out and checking out more from this interview with Barry Horowitz as he's very open and opinionated. Very outspoken guy, doesn't really hold back or, or pull any punches, but man, he made no bones about it that this absolutely made his career, this angle here, uh, and he had a he had a good fucking run. It only lasted about a year, you know, he didn't become a star or anything. I mean, he was he is a star, but you get what I'm saying, like he did eventually fall back into being a jobber, but that really propelled him. Like he said, he had a Survivor Series team and he was on the pay-per-view for SummerSlam. And it was it was very memorable, too. To this day, you can only remember a handful, if that, of, of situations like this. Like I brought up the 1-2-3 Kid, Razor Ramon situation, but 1-2-3 Kid was never really a jobber. I think he was maybe a little bit when he first was brought into WWF, but I don't think... He wasn't meant to be. I think the plan all, all along was to get him that win or whatever and kind of uh, just make him the light heavyweight kind of guy because before that he was the lightning kid and he was not a jobber then either. You know, he was the uh, skinny, scrawny, karate kid guy or whatever, but he was still uh, a formidable opponent, so to speak. He could pick up a winner here, two here. He wasn't a jobber. Barry Horowitz was a jobber. That was his goal. That was not his goal, but that was his job, I should say. That's nobody's goal is to be a jobber, but Barry Horowitz was one of the best jobbers there ever was, man. That was his role in the company. It was just putting people over, laying on his back, looking up at the lights, collecting a paycheck, making other people look good. And, uh, you know, he talked about in this interview different people he worked with, who was easy to work with, who was rough with him, who was a dickhead, who wasn't, who took care of him. Really fun interview. But, man, this this angle with Skip, when he got that win over Skip and Skip sold it like a million bucks, you know, he was all upset and in shock and embarrassed. 
and 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 it built into that angle where okay you got a lucky fluke win but now i'm really gonna beat you at SummerSlam. worth going back and watching that era too did not produce it was not highly thought of in the history of pro wrestling you know that uh new generation era so to speak where they were wwf was transitioning out of the hulk hogan era to the you know the diesels and the Shawn michaels and the bret hearts and that sort of thing and that new generation in between the 80s and the attitude era was really kind of a weak point for the wwf it really was and then um you know eventually the nwo came along and wcw which kick-started the attitude era with the dx and all of that too and, and wrestling took off again but before that it was barely hanging on that was the time where they had to take the water coolers out you know we've all heard that story that kind of thing you know but there were few angles few things few and far between good memories from that era but by god barry horowitz getting the one-up on skip out of nowhere just the jobber guy who gets the fluke surprise win shocked the crowd a fun storyline and very memorable which makes us all remember Barry Horowitz to this day. And, of course, the old pat on the back. What are your thoughts? Let me know down in the comments below if you're a Barry Horowitz fan, if you remember this angle fondly. And if you don't remember it, go seek it out because this was definitely a good one from that era. Well, Swerve Strickland was on the Talk is Jericho podcast talking with Jericho all about his brand new album that just dropped, You Couldn't Be Me. This was a rap album released by Swerve just this week, and they didn't talk any wrestling on this podcast at all. If they did, it was very little. This was strictly music-oriented. Uh, Swerve really kind of gave us an inside look at his rap career and everything to do with you know, being a recording artist now and how he tries to bring that into his wrestling character. A little bit of talk going on as far as the character, but how he's kind of a, a rapper and a wrestler at the same time. But other than that, this was really a deep inside look at the Swerve as a rapper. Swerve the Realist. Swerve the Realist is his rap name, apparently. You can find his album on Spotify right now. And uh, before we get into talking about the album, uh, check out this clip of Swerve talking with Chris Jericho about being a rapper. As a wrestler and the fact that you are putting on a rap record, you know, we, we don't get as much now with Fozzie, but still sometimes, oh, it's just wrestler guys band, even with five top 10 hits yep. and a gold record. It's like they'll never, ever change from that do you ever experience that now you put out this record like i'm saying this is not good for a wrestler it's good for a rapper i think oh, it's thank really, you. really thank well you. done i appreciate but that do you ever hear from people like oh you're a wrestler guy or a rap guy early on yeah, yeah. early on it's like oh another another wrestler rapping yeah, oh, yeah another wrestler rapping right but then like as it grew like and even with like even aw this past year helping with that like oh man he's he has tech nine here oh snap he's Affiliated with Rick Ross. Rick Ross, you like brought in, yeah. Kevin Gates. I'm like, oh, these are real yes, rappers. Yes, Kevin Gates, right. Like, these are, like, real, real rappers. These are real artists, you know, bringing Diddy's kids here, you know, all these things. Uh, fabulous on stage. They're like, oh, these are real. Okay, I kind of got to look at him a little differently now because, mm -hmm. like, now he looks like he belongs with us. Mm -hmm. I'm like, that's and that's the cool thing. It's like I kind of dip into the both worlds. It's not like me trying to 
play this to be this mm. and then me using this to you are that. this i'm i'm both <laughs> yeah yeah you yeah. know yeah, it really is, you know, when you're one thing and then you try to do something else, a lot of people will look at you and say, oh, you're the wrestler guy trying to be a rapper, you know, uh, like when John Cena did it, for example, or even the acclaimed, you know, Max Caster's a rapper. He's got shit on Spotify. You might not have known that, you know, he raps his entrance music to the, to the ring every week, but... Yeah, he's got some shit out on Spotify, too, but Swerve's really trying to make a go of this rap thing. Now, I did listen to the album, and I got to tell you, it's not really that great. (laughs) Uh, I'm a big fan of Swerve, but his music's a little... It's not bad. Like, he doesn't suck at rapping. There's just nothing that stands out about him. He sounds and talks like, even in this interview, he's, he's very, like, rapper-esque, you know? He's like, yeah, my mans, we were on this track. He did a sample. We did a, he, he did a drop, right? And then we did, a, you know, just very lingo. And I, I'm obviously just sounding like an asshole, <laughs> um, paraphrasing the, the kind of conversation that Swerve was having. But, yeah, you know my boy B, he jumped on the beat and shout out to B. You know, talking like that the whole fucking time. And it's like, eh. And then the album, I listened to the album and he he sounds like he doesn't suck. He's not great, though. Like, he, he's not, you know, I've heard much better. I think I can do better personally, but that's just me. But, but it sounds like he's trying to be like everybody else. You know, it's a very mainstreamy, very... There's nothing about it that stands out. You know, if you heard, if you slipped a a Swerve the Realist track into the playlist with a bunch of other Today rap, you wouldn't know the difference. You wouldn't be able to tell him apart from fucking anybody else that raps nowadays. I I was going to say like an Uzi Vert, but he's kind of like a mumble rap meme rapper. But you get my point. He doesn't stand out. There's nothing unique about him. You know, he certainly... um, doesn't suck though, and hopefully he's able to sell some albums and and you know have a nice little run. And I, look, I re, I got respect for people that try it, people that do do different things outside of wrestling. You know, we thought the same thing about Fozzie. At least I did when I first heard Jericho was in a band. What ten years ago, fifteen years ago, or whatever. It was kind of haha, you know, this little cover band, you know, that does Ozzy covers or whatever, and slowly making their way and kept doing shows and kept doing shows. And then finally there was an album that came out that really was like, whoa, (laughs) wow. These guys are actually really good with a lot of good songs now. And the, the more they kept doing shows, they kept getting bigger shows and bigger tours and bigger opportunities. And now Fozzie is essentially its own. I mean, it's a, Chris Jericho was ranked as like one of the top uh, singers, you know, uh, he it's it's a successful band now. Fozzie stands on its own outside of Chris Jericho. Fozzie is a band that exists. It's still not like a mainstream top band or whatever, but they can do their own tours and on, be on the metal circuit and all of that. And, and they're well known at this point. They have blazed that trail, and that's something that Swerve's trying to do now. I don't know if he'll get there. He's making all the right connections, and you know he's got a good sound to him, but like I said, there's nothing really special or standout about him quite yet. He just kind of blends in. 
But that's just my opinion. Maybe you'll like it. Maybe you'll feel different. Let me know your thoughts down in the comments below if you did have a chance to listen to Swerve's new album or anything from Swerve. Let me know your thoughts. Do you agree with me? Do you disagree? Highly recommend checking it out at the very least if you're into rap music, especially modern rap music. This is very modern-y. You know, there's going to be auto-tune in there. There's going to be some R&B type stuff and... You know, uh, it's it's typical. It's it's money and fucking bitches and, and you know, flossing and, and, and all your typical rapper stuff. Right. But it's Swerve. And I like Swerve as a wrestler. Maybe not so much as a rapper, but I'll let you be the judge of that. That's it. That's all we got for you this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope you enjoyed Night of Champions. Last yesterday, as as you hear this, this goes up on a Sunday. Night of Champions was yesterday. I'm gonna watch it after I finish recording this here. Well, I gotta edit it too, but I'll probably edit while I watch Night of Champions. I uh, hope you enjoy your weekend of wrestling and double or nothing on Sunday today as this drops. Great time to be a wrestling fan all around. Collision coming, Punk's returning, Wembley Stadium. All of the greatness going on. Lots of fun stuff in pro wrestling. Thank you for making my podcast a small little part of your giant wrestling weekend. Thank you for your support. Thank you for just hanging out with me and being cool as fuck. It means the world to me. Please like, follow, and subscribe at Seth Grimes Media. Facebook, TikTok, or Twitter. Hit that subscribe button down below now that you've heard the show. If you liked what you heard, if you like any bit of that, hit that subscribe so you can hear more of me. Keep an eye out for my fantasy draft. I'm going to do a fantasy draft for the brand split for AEW. I will be doing uh, a mock draft and and doing a video on who I think should be on what show and kind of go over that. Probably record that today, maybe tomorrow, but it will be up probably sometime over this Memorial Day weekend. That's it. Episode 83, 83 weeks. I've been doing this show for 83 weeks now. My show has been running as long as WCW was on top. So if I do a show next week, I can say my show has lasted longer than WCW's reign over WWE. But episode 83 in the can. Let me know your thoughts in the comments if you're watching on YouTube. Otherwise, thank you so much. Peace, love, and pizza. I am your boy, Seth Grimes. And this has been the Pro Wrestling Podcast. Podcast. (laughs) 